This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Well, let me introduce you to our panel, because I say the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, something we do every Friday here on the Scott Radley Show, it has been reassembled with three rookies, but sort of rookies. I mean, one has some radio experience, two not so much, but it's an interesting story, because earlier this week, I was on here on one of the live shows when I wasn't dying, talking about the Mohawk college strike, the college strike period across this province, and I was basically saying, well, look, the students are getting snookered here. This is uh, this is not right. The students should not be locked out of class. This is wrong on all sides, using the students as collateral damage. So, you know what? We've got a bunch of students who are sitting at home doing nothing or close, not with school anyway. And I thought, I think tonight's the night. We should be bringing in some of those Mohawk students, getting them on the air here, getting them back to work, doing something. So, first up, uh, a radio student yeah. uh, from Hamilton. Uh, Mike Bain, first up. Mike, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. Glad to have you. Next to him, uh, a journalism student at Mohawk, Andre Billald. Billiald. 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 Yep. All right, I'll get it right. I'll yep. get it right. My own writing is so bad I couldn't even make it, but thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. And third up tonight, uh, another journalism student, Paige Petrovsky. Thanks. No problem. Glad to, be here. glad to have all you guys in here. Let's start right with something that is uh, very relevant for What's going on this weekend? We have an unusual situation that Remembrance Day is on a Saturday this week, which or this year, which I don't know if that's going to make more people or fewer people actually go out to the Cenotaph and take part in the events because, you know, I hate to be so cynical, but sometimes I think that the chance to get off work for a couple hours is what actually prompts some people to go. I hope that's not the case. I would love for it not to be the case, but we'll see. But there was a study that came out. There have been a bunch of different studies in the last few days that have come out about Remembrance Day. One of them said, very optimistically, that millennials were going to be the group that was seeing the biggest increase in people who were going to be participating. That was great. That's good news. But there's another one here. This one comes from, uh, this was a study that was out this week, and it says, I'll tell you who it was from in just one second. Uh, It comes from um, Ancestry and Leisure. says, let me read it to you. The nineteen uh, percent, one in five between eighteen and thirty-four year olds, do not commemorate Remembrance Day at all. Nor do fifteen percent of those thirty-five to fifty-four. So we're not just picking on the millennials. The data reveals a lack of understanding about what Remembrance Day marks. A surprising fourteen percent of respondents stated they don't really know anything about Remembrance Day or why Canadians commemorate it. A statistic that rises to a third when polling those aged 18 to 24. When questioned on why they don't commemorate the day, nearly a quarter of respondents claim it's because they have no connection to the wars or soldiers, and suggesting the significance of this important commemoration doesn't resonate with younger Canadians who can't see how it's relevant to their lives. Mike, people can't see us. You're a little bit older (laughs) than the other two. Yes, I am. Um, Does that surprise you? It does. It does. Why? Why? I I personally think that we should start educating the younger crowd, especially from an early age of like two, three, up to, well, right now, 18, 19-year-olds, about why, um, why we have the country and who fought and why they fought. But Andre, I'm I'm now. Do you know much about Remembrance Day? Do you know no, much about gonna, the wars? I was going to come come clean and say that I probably am one of the people in that survey that don't know as much as I should know about Remembrance Day. Um, but I, d- I wouldn't say that it 
doesn't matter to me because I don't personally know a soldier that was in the war or I wouldn't say that it doesn't resonate with me. I wouldn't go that far, but I definitely would say I probably don't know as much as I should know. Well, okay. So the idea that you don't know a soldier is the war. There are fewer and fewer of them. So there are more and more people who never will yep. know a soldier who was in the war. But okay. Someone you're, you say, I don't know as much about it. What, what would you say? What is Remembrance Day then for you? Uh, November 11th. It's remembering uh, all the soldiers that gave their lives uh, in World War II uh, to rid the world or rid the world of the terror that was at the doorstep of everybody. Okay. So you've got it. You've, you've got a it. basic gist, but I feel like there's definitely more to know. Well, okay. Sure there is. But mm-hmm. Paige, are you, first of all, do you feel like you are, you, I mean, you know what Remembrance Day is about. You know what it signifies, yeah, right? I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Andre on this one. I definitely know the gist of what it's about. Um, but I don't feel I know as much as I could or as much as I should. Um, I did get the incredible opportunity to meet a World War II veteran in my high school year, and that kind of connection really resonated with me. Made it personal. Yeah, in a personal way, but that was in high school, so that was a few years ago, so I haven't really had an opportunity since then to educate myself further. But do you think that you need to know somebody to understand what the war was fought for or why it's important to celebrate this day or at least remember this day? No, I don't think you need to personally know someone or have met someone as long as you kind of understand what they did and how they fought for our country and for our freedom. I think as long as you can understand that, the recognition will be there. Andre, I won't put your high school teachers on the spot by name, (laughs) but do you feel like when you were in high school, you learned enough about this? I would say so. Yeah, I had a, a really great, a really great teacher uh, in grade ten, Mr. Iannone, uh, if he's listening, um, and he actually brought in uh, veterans and uh, spouses of veterans. And uh, one, uh, the wife of a veteran, had a really, really great story about how um, she had thought that her husband was dead. Uh, she got the letter in the mail and everything, and then she refused to give up hope and. I don't know how many months later she got the word that no, her husband actually was alive. Um, and like hearing that story and, and having it told by the wife of the veteran um, was really something I'm, I'm never going to forget. So I would say that I, I got a good education in high school. Yeah. But what I don't get from this poll then is if you don't need to necessarily know a soldier, you don't need to have gone over to see the battlefields or to, you know, over to Europe. Mm-hmm. How do people not get some sort of connection? I don't understand... What the, how this gets missed? No, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I don't, I don't have, I, I've never done Coke. All right, cocaine, I'm talking. I've done yeah. Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never done cocaine, but I don't think I have had to have taken cocaine to be able to understand why that would be a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. All right. And mm-hmm. so I can say, no, I, I can speak as, not as an expert, but as someone who I think has, you know, an ability to say that would, you know, what it does to you. It's the same thing with this, Mike. I don't understand how there can be this gap. And maybe it's just that we take everything for granted now. I don't know. It's it's possible. That we've just, it's so easy. We've never, if we've never had to have, well, we do have wars. I mean, we, yeah. we, we are sort of, you know, we like to say we're peacekeepers. I know we have Canadian soldiers have fired guns. I mean, it's not like it's never happened, but sure. I'm, I'm, I'm completely, I don't know. I'm completely stunned by this, that this many people would say they have, either no real understanding or no connection to it. Because your connection to it should be the fact that you're free. And you're here. And you're here. What what other connection do you need? That's what I don't get. Now, 
there have been there has been some criticism, and I don't know if it's fair or not. So I'll throw it to you guys because I, I have my opinion, but I want to get yours first. Our prime minister tomorrow during Remembrance Day is going to be in Vietnam, where it's the other side of the world. Whether or not he is going to be up at the 11th hour of the 11th day, or that's in the middle of the night, whether he'll be asleep. But there's been some criticism that says, you know what, Remembrance Day, Paige, our prime minister should be on Canadian soil mm-hmm. or maybe in France or somewhere where it happened. What do you think about that? Is that a fair criticism or is that just picking a fight? Um, yeah, I think it's kind of picking a fight. I mean, ideally, I can kind of see why people would want him to be in the country to uh, recognize the day. Um, but then again, I'm sure there's other Canadians that are out of the country on this day and still celebrate, or not celebrating, but still Remember. recognizing the day. And kind of where do we draw the line on, I like understand he's our prime minister, but um, when it comes down to it, he is another person recognizing the day along with all of Canada. What do you think? you share that view? Uh, I think he's definitely going to, no matter where he is, he's going to do something to um, remember. And that, um, oh, I had a thought there and then I completely lost. Yeah. Mike, what do you think? Um, are you going to take a stab at him or are you going <laughs> to say, no, no, I, that's fair enough. I understand that. Okay, I'll take a stab at him. I think he should be in the country oh. to celebrate Remembrance Day. He oh. should be here to pay tribute and help us Canadians pay tribute to our fallen soldiers and um, servicemen and women. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that generally. I don't, we're going to wait and see what is done. I, I, I think somehow, one way or another, he has to, he or whoever else is the prime minister at whatever time, mm-hmm. has to be visibly doing something. All right. If they have the service and there's no sign, there's no nothing from the prime minister's office or from the prime minister, I think that is a poor look. I really yep. do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. somehow he needs to be visibly involved in this proceeding. Yeah. Does he need to be physically with his feet on Canadian soil? I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I just want to add also... Um, Mike, good point. 100%. Like, there's a valid argument that he should be here, but also, I I personally don't know the reason he's in Vietnam. So, for all I know, it's a really good reason. And I trade mission. Yeah, and I would assume that he's not there on vacation. You know, sipping a margarita. That would be bad. He's doing he's doing his job, which is what he was elected to do. So, in that case, it's a a rock in a tough and a hard spot. Yeah, that that you're absolutely right, Andre. That would be a different thing if he had left the country on vacation. Yeah. uh, absolutely fair to crack down but yeah. all right one more thing on this one before we move along there was a speaking of whether something is offensive or upsetting or not a i think it was a tim hortons but a, a donut shop out west edmonton or calgary or somewhere produced a poppy shaped red donut in honor of remembrance day and there are a number of people who say no no you can't do that you cannot turn a symbol of freedom and the blood of soldiers into a delicious pastry and tell people to go and buy this and tar- make it a capitalist kind of thing. Even if your intentions are right, you can't do that. What Paige, again, is that a thing that we should be pointing at? Or again, do you say, you know what? No, they, they were trying to do something honorable and if you don't like it, too bad. I honestly, I have to agree with that being, I can see where, why that would be offensive. Um, just because, like you said, it is kind of commercializing um, 
what we're recognizing. So yeah, I think that should definitely not be a thing. Should there be a should should we have a sort of a blanket ban entirely on any commercial effort that would involve the poppy? I don't know about that, but I think making a cookie out of a poppy <laughs> or uh, the shape of a poppy is part of my pun, but in bad taste. I'm with that. You're with that? Yeah. yeah. It kind of like almost downplays the significance behind it and the reasoning why it exists. What if you were selling, you know, you know, now you guys are too young. Mm. Um, once upon a time in the late 70s, early 80s, they used to sell really ugly uh, hat umbrellas. I don't know if you ever saw one of these. They had little, you could sit it on, and it was just the umbrella. When, what if you sold like, that? that's what first came to mind, but a poppy-shaped umbrella hat or... Or you've sold other things in the shape of a poppy. Or is basically the poppy almost sacred now I and the legion and the veterans are allowed to yeah, sell it and yes, nobody yeah. else should. Yeah. I mean, the poppy means what the poppy means and trying to turn that into a hat or a cookie or something just to commemorate. I say with air quotes, Remembrance Day is just is not right. What if Don Cherry wears a suit on Saturday, which I guarantee you that he will, that's covered in I mean, images <laughs> of poppies. Is that okay? Oh, Don, Don Cherry, he's going to do what John Cherry does. Yeah. yeah. And he's not really selling it, right? No. no. That's, yeah, he's not, he's not making money off, I wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. He's not making money off Remembrance Day. So that, I think that's where a lot of people had a problem with this. It's not that there's a donut shaped like a poppy. Mm-hmm. It's that someone is now making money off the image of the poppy, which again, to me, has seemed to become almost a, a sacred image mm-hmm. of sorts that it's, you, you just can't, even if your intentions are good, you can't do that. Can't, yep. You can't do. There's certain things that I think you should probably know by now that you just can't do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think, well, probably they have learned. Yeah. I would think. Hope. Probably we'll they've learned. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we hope. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Two stories that I want to ask you guys about. Since you are college students, this seems particularly appropriate for all of you. In, at Cambridge University in England, a physical sciences professor has come under extreme pressure this week because he sent an email to his students that said this, physical sciences is a very hard subject, which will require all of your attention and your full brain capacity. And for a large fraction of you, even that will not be quite enough. You can only do well, i.e. achieve your potential, which rightly or wrongly several people here assumed you have, if you are completely focused and learn to enjoy the course. People who just take the course but enjoy their social life can easily survive in many subjects, but not this one. Anyway, they went on and on about how you probably shouldn't go out drinking the night before and on and on and on. Um, The uh, university's student union welfare officer criticized this, saying that uh, it was going to deeply affect the psyche and feelings of the students and they were probably intimidated now and too scared to stay around in school. Keep in mind, these are people who are at Cambridge University. They got accepted to Cambridge and now this is going to scare them off. Closer to home, story in the National Post today, a Wilfrid Laurier University teaching assistant has been deemed transphobic and has been sanctioned for showing five minutes of a clip of a debate that involved University of Toronto psychology professor Jordan Peterson. He's the professor who has taken issue with referring to people by made-up pronouns that aren't he or she, but for transgender and everything else. Uh, This class was called Canadian Communication in Context, and the teaching assistant said, yeah, I was intentionally trying to generate discussion, but 
somebody complained, and now the teacher, the teaching assistant, has been sanctioned. Um, Andre, I go to you first. Mm. Since these are university people, college people, and you know what is said, are, like, are you guys all snowflakes? Are you guys completely unable to deal with any challenges to your intellectual or emotional? Positions. Uh, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I would say no. I would say no. Uh, and if a, a, a teacher, professor, instructor, whatever, sent out an email saying, take this course seriously, don't screw around, I'd be like, okay. But people at the school yeah. are saying you are going to be damaged by reading no, that. No, no. You are going to be damaged by seeing a video of something that may not be politically correct. We're, we're in for a lot more than that uh, when we enter the real world. So if that's what people are going to freak out about like I don't know what to say just get ready just get ready so Paige then first of all are you a snowflake no okay <laughs> I wouldn't say so are your friends at school mostly like people who would be deeply damaged by these kind of things um I don't know if I can speak for my other friends but I have most of them if they heard something that was different from their philosophical point of view or that said something that maybe challenged them, are they going to be terribly upset by that? Um, I would honestly say I believe so. I had a, one friend who is in university and had a prof send her an email, not as harsh as that one, but around kind of the same idea. And as quickly as she could, she dropped the course. So that doesn't, that doesn't strike me as a good thing. No. I mean, Mike, so... If I am a teacher, if I'm a professor, and again, we're not talking about grade three students here. Right. If I go to adults, you guys are all adults, and challenge you with something, and the school says, Mike, you are too weak mentally, emotionally, psychologically, you are too weak to handle this. What do you say to that? Like, uh, to me, my answer is, why are you then even in college? Why are you in university? I don't know why they're saying that. I wouldn't be offended with it. I may question it. I may go to the professor and ask for clarification or why they're sending an email out like that. I just, this this thing comes up so often. These things come up so often. And, and I thought with three people who are actually, let's leave aside the administration and the tall foreheads in the ivory towers who decide what you feel or what you're supposed to feel or how delicate you're all supposed to be. I don't get the sense that you're all that delicate. I don't get the sense, Paige, that if someone sent you this letter, that you are going to break down into a hail of tears and be a blubbering infantile ball of, you know, emotions in the back corner of the room. You just say, okay, that's his, that's his point of view. Yeah. I think when I kind of what Andre was going off of, I think when I signed up for college, I knew what I was getting myself into and knew that it wouldn't be a piece of cake a lot of the times. There's going to be some effort you have to put in. You're going to be doing assignments early into the morning some days. Some days you're not going to, you're going to have things you, you don't really want to do, but you have to do. And that's just kind of the way it works. So, What about the idea of someone challenging your views or beliefs or positions on something? Should that be disallowed? Like, should someone be allowed to challenge you on your... Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So you, when you go to school, you are not expecting that what you hold sacred necessarily, no one will ever mention. They, those things can be challenged. If you are... I'll throw one out here. I, I mean, you don't have to tell me what your view is. This is not the point. But let's say you are very pro-abortion. If you had a professor who said, I'm going to present the other side and challenge your... Is there something wrong with that? I don't think so, No. No. 
if someone now if someone says Andre, if you don't change your view, I'm going to fail you. That's a different story. Definitely. But if someone challenges what you believe to be true, does that not actually make you able to think through why? That's what I was going to say. I think that our beliefs need to be challenged for us to find out whether we actually believe them or not. If we don't hear the other side of the argument, then how do you know that your side or your perspective is the whole perspective? Uh, if you don't hear the evidence on the other side of the table, how do you know that you're, you have all of the answers in your pocket? I, I just you need to be challenged to find out what you actually believe. But then, Mike, why do we see time and again, time and again, time and again from colleges and universities that at the first sign of someone challenging something that is a sacred cow, the administration or someone rises up and says, you can't do that. I think they're scared. Mm -hmm. Of what? Us being right. Us learning something that they don't know. There was a time, and again, especially the two of you, because again, you're a little bit younger, but you know this stuff. I know you know this. You know your history. There was a time when university campuses were the place where it was the most, the hotbed of the most dissent. You know, the war, the anti-war rallies in Vietnam and other things. That's where they started was on university campuses. And no one said, well, you're not allowed. Oh, and I guess on Kent State, they sort of said that. But generally, they didn't say, you're not allowed to have a different point of view or share your... or. I just, I don't understand how, assuming you three are sort of symbolic of most people on campus. Again, I just don't see the three of you being broken by someone sending an email, being emotionally so fragile that if someone sent you something or said something that challenged you that you think this is the worst thing ever. I just don't get, I mean, do you see people, are most of the people that you see, Mike, able to deal with this or are most of them so soft that this would kill them? Oh no, most of them that I see can deal with that. So why, Andre? Why then, let me go back to the same question, why are universities or colleges so quick to say you can't do this kind of stuff? Um, I think it's because the initial reaction when you're challenged, especially for something that you really believe is to put your back up and to start to get ready to fight back. Um, and maybe it's the professors, the the uh, senior people in in our life, so like our, our parents and stuff, who see us going through this challenge of our beliefs, and they think that it's not good for us, but really it's what we need. We need to we need to go through it and to know how we feel and to know what we believe and hear the other argument. Um, yeah, is it healthy, Paige, for a college, a university, whatever, to say that if one person is offended by something? that everyone should then be protected from that thing. No, I don't think so, because that's just one person's perspective, right? You're not really taking into account everyone else that most likely has a completely different opinion on the idea or the subject. Has this, have any of you had something come up in school? No, you haven't had a lot of school because of the strike, I understand. <laughs> but we even go back to high school if you need to. Have you ever had someone, a teacher or someone say something or bring something up that you strongly disagreed with in class? Has it ever, have you ever had that experience where you've had to defend a position? I have. Okay. Lost at it, but <laughs> it, was, it was, I can say it was a nice argument. Okay. And was it a horrible experience? No, it wasn't. It was a learning experience. In what way? I learned how to deal with basically everyday life and what can be thrown in front of you. So if someone says something that you disagree with, you don't have to win every fight. No. 
But to see, this says you do. You need to know how to be shot down. You yeah, need to know how to hear no. And if I know with that that email or whatever, but the people who wrote that email are going to hear the word no, like a lot more times, even after they've written that email. So. Yeah, but this, there's no but, hiding from it. There's but the no schools are it. saying you don't. You don't. The schools are saying you should be able to tell people that you're going to get whatever you want. Then I would say they're not doing the the service that we are going to them to do. They're not preparing us for our careers and for our life and to actually fulfill whatever potential we have. They're not doing it if they're not letting us be challenged. See, Paige, somebody would argue, and I, I think Andre has a really interesting point. But some people would say, no, you're not going to school to be challenged or to be prepared for life per se. You're going to school to be prepared for the particular line of work that you're in. I tend to agree with Andre. I think it's a broader thing than that, but do yeah. you agree with that? No, I definitely agree with that because even regardless of what line you're, of work you're in, you're going to be challenged on a viewpoint, I'm sure, at some point in your career, even if it's relevant to your career. Um so I think there's a lot more to schooling than just going for what you're going for. Um, there's a lot more to learn in school. There's a lot more to experience. And, yeah, I definitely think you should be able to be challenged or at least expect to be challenged as well. You know, it, it, it seems to me, and, Mike, you, you, you say you had a debate or an argument, whatever you want to call it, with a teacher, professor at one point. Um, there's an old line that I heard, I've heard many times actually, but, and I love it because it, it says a lot to me. It's that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, if you never are challenged on a point of view that you, and Andre, again, you, you, you kind of nailed it. If you're never challenged on something you believe in, how do you know that you really believe in it or why you believe in it? If you don't have to defend it mm-hmm. and think through the logic or the thought process of why you do, that makes, that to me, either makes you change your mind or it makes you stronger in what you believe because you've actually had to think through it now. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just saying, I believe this. Why? Because. Yeah, because. Because is not an argument. Mm -hmm. And neither is, I am not supposed to have to hear something different from what I believe. But again, I hope this is not a case everywhere but we do hear it so much, so often now with colleges. Like it's all the time we're hearing in the last election in the States with the Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton election. They were having, what do they call it? Soft, safe places where they're bringing in comfort dogs after the election for people who were too overwhelmed by their candidate losing and never having been challenged on anything, I guess, before. So they were not used to the idea that you might not get what you want. So they brought in comfort dogs that you could pat and cuddle with to get you through it. These are university students. I don't know if they have that at Mohawk. Do they have, do they have comfort dog stations at Mohawk? Uh, they, they come through like one, <laughs> once once a semester. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a dog day type thing. But That's okay. But it's not just for like every time no, something no, difficult. No. Every they time are they, very cute though. Well, I, I bet. But every time they, they really hand out <laughs> grades. Yeah, after There's the, not a dog written, with your Is paper. there a dog no, waiting no. at the door in case if, no. if it didn't go well for you, here's Muffy. Yeah. Nothing like that. It's, uh, well, thank you. Not goodness. yet. Yeah. N- not yet. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. You know, maybe all it takes is one person to complain. Yeah, we'll see after the strike what happens. <laughs> yeah, but, everyone's going to be really stressed. But, you know, yeah. the, what I'm really interested in, though, is eventually, it seems to me that the way this is going, does it not seem logical that at some point we're going to reach a, a, a moment when someone complains because the grade they got is not to their liking? And therefore, they're going to complain and the teacher has to give them a grade because really, marking is all subjective. 
the only reason you didn't give a better grade is because you didn't like the wording of their essay or the thought behind it or something. It, it seems to me that if you follow this path, eventually everybody gets 99% and then everyone's happy. We just, we don't want to make anyone unhappy. We don't want to challenge anyone. We don't want to make anyone hurt. That's, and then what's the point of even going? You guys pay a fair amount to go to college. Why yep. even go? Yeah. If you don't walk away from college or university, having been seriously challenged a few times, you should ask for a refund. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You should. If you don't, if, if you don't walk away having been able to think concern, you know, sorry, I'm going on here, but we, you know, we go through the new math. We've talked about the new math. The whole idea is you got to be able to understand why you're doing it. You can't just do what's two plus two. Well, it's four. No, you have to be able to show why two plus two is four. If you can't explain why you believe something, that's even worse. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sure there will be more of these. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about them more, but uh, you can read the one about the uh, Wilfrid Laurier. It's, it's, if you're like me, it'll drive you a little bit nuts. It's on the National Post right now. And uh, the one from, uh, from Cambridge University, the professor's comments, the story says, caused an uproar among activists and students who called his email extremely damaging and neither appropriate nor acceptable. With one university vice chancellor, including him, of, quote, frightening, impressionable undergraduates. Dun, dun, dun. All of you undergraduates, all of you weak, feeble, emotionally unstable undergraduates who, if a professor says one mean thing to you, you're going <laughs> to drop out or something. Did you write know. the email in blood or something? I yeah, no kidding. <laughs> there were pictures of skulls and yeah. AK-47s. I mean, I don't know. This, <laughs> come on, suck it up. Anyway. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, brightest panel on Hamilton Radio in studio, Paige Petrovsky, Andre Billiald, Mike Bain, three Mohawk students who are presently, um, well, not Mohawk students while the strike is going on. So, uh, Paige, what are you up to these days? How do you pass your time when you're not in school and you're supposed to be in school? Um, well, I'm still working at my part-time job. I work at a bakery, um, and then just trying to like stay on top of assignments. And they still have assignments. I mean, honestly, I'm being serious. Yeah. Um, we like kind of got our assignments laid out right at the beginning of the semester for us. So just kind of trying to write articles as many articles as I can, but it feels like I've been like, not just with assignments, just in general with work. It just feels like I've been significantly more busy than I normally am in school. So I'm Maybe kind this of like, wow, secret. this is this is kind of nice getting some time to like work by myself and not have the stress of having to go to class. Maybe this is the secret, a one day semester followed by a, like a 90 day sequestration to get your work done. Yeah. <laughs> would, would significantly cut down on the number of teachers you'd need. Yeah. I'm not sure that would go over so well, but <coughs> it might be nice. <laughs> what about you, Andre? Uh, I've been editing the online uh, newspaper for the school. Um, I've been uh, trying to keep on top of my other job I have at the school as a newsroom assistant. Uh, and I also recently started a third position um, on the marketing team. So, wow. so looking, you guys to are see, busy. looking to see what's going on there. And then, yeah, trying to stay on top of assignments and everything. And Mike, you say you're... Uh, other than working up at the... That other station. That other station. That shall not be named. Yes, again. It's okay. okay. Um, I've been spending time with the family. See, I thought all you guys were just sitting at home watching soaps, (laughs) 
you no. know, doing blowing through Stranger <laughs> Things on Netflix or something. I haven't uh, even watched that yet. Me, yeah, me neither. I've never watched one episode of Stranger Things. I feel like such an outcast. <laughs> well, not in this room apparently, but no. I just no. I got just, season one down. Oh, did you get yeah, season yeah, one yeah, down? Well, yeah. season two is even better. No, I'll just no, say I'm, that. No, I'm Nashville. Any Riverdale fans in the room? No. I watch Riverdale. No. See, I've never watched Riverdale. That's my girlfriend. Oh yeah. <laughs> Watches Such Riverdale. Yep. Such yep. a good show. Yeah, it's. Uh, Netflix has certainly made life much more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> Honestly, it has. You go home after work, I get home, and now it's like, ah, oh, you know what, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. Yep. And then four show four episodes into something that I've just discovered, it's like, oh, now it's two in the morning. I got to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. I got to go to bed. in the morning are the worst. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, good to know you guys are actually doing stuff. Right. I mean, honestly, I'm, I mean, I'm being serious. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are wondering what to do with their time. You guys are being productive. So that's, um, that is good. You're listening to the Scott Radley show weeknights from seven to nine on AM 900 CHML special panel today. If you're just tuning in with everything that's not going on at the colleges around Ontario because of the strike, we thought, you know what, let's put the, let's put some of the really bright, Mohawk journalism and broadcast students to work. Let's make them our panel tonight. So that's what we've got. Paige Petrovsky, Andre Billiald, and Mike Bain in studio. Glad to have you guys. Great first hour. We've got another hour to go with you to bend your brains a little further. Before that, though, let me give you your quiz question this evening. It was on this day in 1975 that the Edmund Fitzgerald was lost. 29 crew members on it. You know the story. You've heard the song. This is the song. You can probably sing along to it. And chances are, after hearing it now, you'll be humming it for most of the night. So thank me for that later. But this day in 1975, that ship was lost. Your quiz question this evening. On what body of water did the Edmund Fitzgerald sink? It says it in the song if you listen long enough. And we will not accept as a correct answer today, Gitchy Gumi. Although, kind of that's correct, but that's not what we're looking for. So if you call up and you say Gitchy Gumi because you were too impatient to listen to the rest of the song, no, 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 that doesn't count. Give us the proper official name of the body of water in which the Edmund Fitzgerald sank. That is your quiz question tonight. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Back to the panel. I say Paige Petrovsky, Andre Billiald, Mike Bain. You know, I'm going to go to you first on this one, Paige, and it's probably uh, obvious why, although it's probably unfair why as well. But uh, today there were a bunch more allegations from people coming out of Hollywood and other entertainment areas about this uh, sexual assault what do you want to call it now? It's it's beyond a scandal. It's a like an epidemic. An epidemic. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great word. It is an epidemic because we're every day it seems there's another one or two or three. So today there's a number of them. The one name that comes to mind that I heard today for the first time was Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. Um there are others though. Um Louis CK today said Yeah, you know what, those reports of what I did, and I'm not gonna describe on the radio what he did. If you really want to know what he did, you can go and look it up. Um, I don't think I'm uh, going to last too long on the radio if I actually describe the behavior that he admits to doing. Needless to say, it's um, not good. 
But anyway, I'm I'm just trying to figure out where does this thing end up? Where does this story go to? Because it's just every day there's more people, there's more allegations, there's more stories. Where do you see this thing finally going? I mean, idealistically, hopefully resolving and coming to an end. But with the way it's going, I honestly don't see that happening anytime soon. Because, like I said a few seconds ago, it's almost like an epidemic where, like, one person comes out and speaks out as to what happens to them. And then, um, not that anyone should ever feel embarrassed, but then suddenly a lot more people come out and they feel less alone because they see someone else speaking up and they say, okay, this person is, now I feel more comfortable, so I will. And then just kind of moves on to, sadly, a lot of people that this has happened to. And I think that there's a lot more unheard cases that are eventually going to come out. You think you think we're anywhere near the end of this? I mean, uh, we don't know, of course. None of us around this table know, but it just strikes me that this seems like it's not slowing down. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it just keeps going and going and going. Sadly, sadly, but... Well, it is yeah. sad. And, yeah. I, and what I don't understand about this is not every case. There have been some cases that we've heard where the allegations have been... I don't want to belittle them in any way, but less egregious. But some of them, you hear what they're described to have been doing. Louis C.K. again, being one of them. And you're like, in what world does someone believe that behavior is okay? Mm -hmm. And again, without going into great details, because if you really want to know, but Louis C.K. is not accused of having sexually assaulted anybody, but he's accused of a behavior that, like, honestly, in any place I've ever been in my life, if I walk into a dinner party or a party at someone's house and just did what he is alleged to have done, people would have me put a white jacket on me and sent me to a rubber room. Like, you'd say that that's insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But apparently, for some people, Mike, this is, they thought this was perfectly normal behavior, which is probably the big problem. I think that is. That someone thinks that you can do this and it's fine. Who, who knows? Like I, I heard uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. I mean, the list is long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The list is very long. And again, I just, I don't live, maybe it's just me. I don't live in a world where you would, that anybody I don't think would think that these things are normal behavior. Mm-hmm. No. But where do, uh, this is the puzzling thing to me is, how do you come to the conclusion that this kind of thing is okay? Yeah, like what was the first instance that Louis C.K. did what he did and then found out that it, I guess he liked it and then just kept going. But when when did that first instance come and how does that even pop in your mind to do what he did? I don't... That's the it, point. It's, how it's do you baffling. think... How do you... The first time you do it, because again, if nobody mm-hmm. complains, doesn't make it right, doesn't make it excusable, in his mind, I guess it made it like, oh, okay, they didn't mind. Yeah, so then it gives him permission to do it again. But the first time you would think, oh, this is the behavior I want to do. How does that come about? Yeah. It's a yeah. million dollar question. It's not a logical, like, thinking. No. But we're seeing not this particular thing, but we're hearing of these things. We heard of one just this week with, um, oh, what's his name from House of Cards? Uh, uh, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yep. That a, a, a younger boy in front of his mother, she wasn't watching. Father. Father. Yep. Groped him. And it's like, again, who thinks that, where do they come to the conclusion that this is okay? Yeah. How brave do you have to be to, to think that, oh, that's, this is fine to do in front of his father. I just, I don't understand. 
brave is one word, and it is no, it, I, no, but it is. Yeah. It's you do. There is a sense of bravery, although usually like the we, level of hubris to think this is fine. This is what I can do. This is my position. Yeah, we think of bravery usually in terms of heroic. But I'm not going to dispute that there is, if you're thinking brave just as far as I'm willing to do something that I could be caught, and I suppose that by that definition, brave is, you know, it's not a good bravery. No, not at all. But it's hubris. That's another good word. I'm just, I'm trying to imagine how, how, what Hollywood, you know, we quotes Hollywood, Mm -hmm. what it really is like if this is all considered okay behavior by everybody. Mm -hmm. What bubble are they living in that we're all not part of? Or at least I'm not part of Well, that. no. <laughs> no, I'm I, not. Yeah. Neither am I. <laughs> I just, do you think that, do you think that they're starting to get the idea that maybe they live in a different world or do you, or from it, the comments you're hearing, do you think they're still thinking, well, it's just a few people? It, to me, it appears that they do <laughs> live in a different world where s- certain things apparently just happen and go unsaid and go unbelieved. And I don't know. Is it surprising to you, Paige, at this point that it seems as though every woman who's come forward has been believed? Um. Or is there just, it's because there's so many that, why wouldn't you? I yeah. don't know. I, I, I'm a little surprised that everyone is being believed. I'm, I mean, I guess I am a little surprised that everyone is being believed, but in another sense, um, they, like, a lot of them if they were wrong, like they don't really have anything to lose really. So why would they lie about something this serious when they know, I mean, it could affect them in a negative way and it can affect the other person in a negative way. Um, For me personally, I just don't understand the reasoning for lying about something that serious and that critical. Yeah. You know, I, I do have a concern with all this. Um, because I believe most, if not all, of the people so far, their stories, I mean, many of them have been backed up by other people, mm-hmm. and yeah. so there's no reason not to. But it, we know how people do work, and we know that somewhere down the road, somebody is going to either for seeking attention or for whatever other reasons, one person, all it's going to take is one person to be completely shot down, that their allegations are wrong. And my concern is when that happens, all the women who are being believed now, they all now start to be disbelieved because that person made up the story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I do. I think that it just takes one. And now every person, every guy who's done this behavior now is essentially off the hook because he'll say, look, look at what she said. That wasn't true. And now it's the same with me. They're making stuff up about me. And that's, it's, I I often say this on the show. It's when people throw around words like racism too easily. You know what? The real cases of racism then get obscured by the phony or the flippant ones that Mm -hmm. aren't really. And you end up losing the impact. Right now, this is, I can't believe the impact this is having. Yeah. 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 I can't Well, as it should, but I can't believe that so many people properly are willing to believe this and are believing it because what's the one thing we know, and maybe this is why guys in Hollywood thought they could do this. What's the one thing we know generally buys you leeway in our world? Money? What's the other one? Fame? Mm -hmm. If you're famous, if you're well-known, if you're beloved, and Kevin Spacey was a well-liked guy, Mm -hmm. usually that 
a lot of times that gets you off the hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another one. I think it w- either it happened yesterday or today, but Ed Westick, he's um, an actor who was on Gossip Girl, and he was kind of the character that, like, everyone loved on Gossip Girl, and a girl um, had acu- has accused him of just basically, um, quote-unquote, like, the same thing that has kind of been going around, um, and he immediately came out and said, like, I've never met her, like, this didn't happen, but nothing else has been said about it so no one knows if what he said was real if what she said was real but this is my concern because if it turns out that and this may be the case if it turns out i don't know this guy but if it turns out that he can say i've never met her and there's nothing that would show that she ever was at the time or he was out of the Mm -hmm. country when she says whatever if it turned out that this was the case that is completely frivolous and made up out of all of them you got 99 real ones and one that's a hoax, and I don't know if it is, but I'm saying if it was, yeah. everybody from now on that comes forward then is going to say... Look at this example and say... That's me too. I'm being held up just the same way he was. And that to me would be horrible because then... So all these other women who probably had it happen to them are then going to be disbelieved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I did hear is that uh, that accusation came through Facebook where a lot of the other cases have been um, more than one person going to the to law enforcement who then go to the... So if someone is going to go to the law enforcement, clearly something happened. If someone's going to go to Facebook, I'm not saying something, something didn't happen, but it's a little bit more suspect that why would you choose that route to take action instead of going to the let police? Me, let me ask you a weird question. And... Um it's about this. I don't know if you heard the story from earlier this week because we're throwing Hollywood names around, but mm-hmm. uh, do you know uh, Ellen Pompeo? She's in Grey's Anatomy. I know the name. She's a blonde lady in Grey's Anatomy. Anyway, she was telling a story that I guess at one point uh, a director was trying to get her to pre-practice for some nude scenes or to do a nude scene in a movie. And she basically told him, no. You think we're going to get to a point? Because I've, I've long said that 95% of nude scenes in movies are irrelevant to the script. Mm-hmm. They're a director or a writer's way to get an actress naked and to maybe get some more people into a movie. But anyway. I'm kind of agreeing with you. I agree. Yeah. 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 Is that going to change this now? Because if a director now says to someone in this climate, oh, I need you to be naked in the movie, and it doesn't look like it's an absolutely essential piece of the plot do you think a lot of people are going to say yeah no you're you're way off get out of here i mean ideally yes but there's a lot of people that want to make it in so they'll do it whatever i'm not saying they'll do whatever but you know but they'll do whatever yeah i mean like, you're, not necessarily you, come on say it. no 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 they'll no. do a lot people would do things that they might not otherwise but they might, do they, i'm gonna talk myself into a corner here <laughs> i don't disagree with you i think there are people who this is what got I'm this. not saying there's people that would do it, but maybe there's people that would go, well, if I do this, does that help me in my future, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And I'm not saying they do it, but they, that thought would cross their mind, which isn't right for them to have to do that just to further their career. But that's apparently I think how that's it sounds a like lot, things are. I think that's a lot, Andre, of what this whole story is about is there are some women in this story who say, I didn't do what I was asked mm-hmm. by that creepy director. Mm-hmm. But there are others who are saying, I felt forced to do it and I did it Mm -hmm. because I wanted to move ahead in my career. Mm 
and scared that if I say no, what does this director do? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I, I think this is going to have much broader impacts in Hollywood and entertainment and a lot of things than just Louis C.K. not being invited to a lot of parties these days. Yeah. Yeah. I really do. I think this is going to be very, very much wider than that, but, but I don't know where it ends. I really, is where we started with. I don't know where this thing ends. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The other thing I, that concerns me to a degree about this is we don't exactly have a long attention span. Mm-hmm. Now, sex scandals tend to keep our attention because they're salacious and <laughs> they're star. I mean, we, we got sex, we got stars, we got power, we got all the ingredients in this thing, but... At some point, are we not going to sort of grow bored of this and want to move on to the next? Maybe not with this one. Maybe not with this one. I hope, I mean, like everyone has kind of been saying, idealistically, like the situation ends and there's no more um, issues going on in Hollywood or in anywhere. But for the sake of the relevancy and getting the word out of the people that have it has happened to, I hope it doesn't die down just so their names are noticed and they're recognized and people continue to feel like they can come forward. Do you think it's going to die down? Um, Soon? I don't know. I'm The way like trends go, I do think it will just because that's kind of the thing that happens. Something's relevant for a week, two weeks, and then people kind of move on to the next big thing and or next thing that's relevant. And I think it will die down. I, I would think on almost any circumstance that would be correct. But again, I think when you're talking about a scandal that involves sex and celebrity and power and big lawsuits that are going to come, so money is involved, uh, I don't think, you know, the irony is if Hollywood was actually, Holly, this was something, this would be something Hollywood would actually love to make movies and TV shows about because it's got all the ingredients, except right now they just want it to go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's why I think this thing might persist in the public's interest because it's got all the ingredients people are fascinated by. You would think that, but there was a tape that came out, uh, someone who was in the public spotlight about a year ago, and and that news died down, if everyone knows what I'm talking about, the E-Hollywood, yeah, mm-hmm. someone who's yeah, now elected. in the White House. So, you know, that was it at at the height of his his spotlight, everyone was watching him, and then that happened, and... You, you talked about it, the money, the power, and the celebrity. It's all in that story, and that one died down pretty pretty quickly. So The only way this thing accelerates any further is if we introduce a Kardashian into the story. <laughs> 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 and then who knows what happens. Hollywood, lit, like it, it explodes. The Hollywood sign bursts into flames, yeah. and it's the apocalypse. If, uh, if suddenly there's a Kardashian involved. It is a possibility. It, <laughs> Good let, possibility. Well, let's, let's hope not. We don't want anybody yeah, more see involved. See what next but, week holds. Yeah. God. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. The brightest panel on Hamilton Radio, Paige Petrovsky, Andre Billiald, Mike Bain, three out-of-school, suffering-hard Mohawk students. No, they're not really suffering that badly. <laughs> no, uh, no. But they, uh, we wanted to bring in some Mohawk students here, give them a chance to enhance their career and their chosen professions while they're not getting that from... Their actual school, shame on all of you college people. Get back to the talking and pass that, whatever. Just get them back to school. They deserve it. But in the meantime, we brought them in here to be the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, and they are awesome. Now, Mike, I'll go to you on this one, since we've been everywhere else so far. (laughs) Uh, 
What would you think, what would be your comfort level of riding in a driverless vehicle at this point? At this point? Well, I don't mean this very minute, but I mean in 2017. I'm not sending you out there right now, but in 2017, if they said, Mike, here's a driverless car to get you home, how would you feel about that? I would feel terrified. About would you? That. Yes. You're not, you're, not, you're not believing in Google or no. whoever has the technology at this point? No. Not even uh, what, uh, what are they, uh, Tesla. Not even Tesla? No. no, no, no. See, the reason I ask you this is because uh, in Las Vegas, they launched a self-driving shuttle service this week. Gosh. Uh, I'm not sure who is running it. I don't know if it's a hotel or if it's anyway. They have a self-driving shuttle service. Uh, the first one was launched, and within one hour, it was in its first accident. <laughs> <laughs> there. See? Now, to, to give the shuttle service its due... This was apparently not the shuttle service's problem. Another truck backed up into it. But still, I kind of think, Andre, that if I'm in a car that's driven by someone, maybe some avoidance could have been done. I'm really glad you came to me because actually about a month and a half ago, I was at a red light sitting there and car in front of me backs into me for no reason. And I didn't, I, I wasn't sharp enough to move out of the way, but honestly, the way my day was going, I just looked at it and said, this is happening. But... I mean, I was in the exact same situation as that driverless car, and I got hit too, but... See, I wanna, I'm guessing what happened with that <laughs> one is the person went too far past the white line, you got it, yeah. put it in reverse to back, and then forgot to put it back in drive. So when the green light goes, they hit the gas and... No, they, they went too far, realized, and went, oh, I guess I should back oh. up, and didn't realize that there was a car behind them. Okay, I was giving them, <laughs> the, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt of just being forgetful. No, You're telling no. me they were just a horrible driver. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Paige, what about you? Are you uh, are you going to strap yourself into a driverless vehicle and let it take you away? No way. I would <laughs> be so uncomfortable with that. Google Maps has failed me so many times with getting me lost with me driving. So to let them take control of the wheel and then get me to my destination, no way. I only have that image in my mind of that scene from the episode of The Office where they were following the GPS and they drove them right into a lake by following it. <laughs> and I hadn't thought about that until now. <laughs> it's I, We're supposed to be fully trusting in modern technology. The robots are going to take over, they keep telling us. Well, uh, uh, I don't know. The robots are not doing so well. <laughs> clearly not. I mean, look, I, when I'm working on my computer... There is, with reasonable regularity, a glitch, a freeze, a seize up of something. Well, if my computer can seize up, why could the computer driving my car not seize up when I'm doing 120 on the 403? Mm-hmm. Although I would never drive over the speed limit. Pardon me, 100 on the 403. <laughs> yeah, spell check chooses the wrong word half the time. I'm not going to trust a computer to make the right turn. Half exactly. The time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But yet it's pushing and it's pushing and it's pushing. And I... Like, there's a lot of questions about the driverless car that I want to know. Like, if you get a driverless car, do you have to have a driver's license? <laughs> yeah, Seriously. I was just going to ask that. If Is your insurance cheaper because you're not driving? Yeah. If there's, there's an accident, point. who's yeah. at fault? Yeah. There's uh, another good point. You or yeah. Google. Like, there's a lot of things about this that have not... We're in the middle of talking about how police and law enforcement are going to monitor marijuana usage to test because we don't really have great tests yet for whether people were legalizing marijuana. We don't really know how to check at a ride stop or something. 
but what are the laws around a driverless car? If your driverless car spazzes out and slams into somebody, is it your car so you're at fault or is it the car company's fault or the GPS system's fault or mm-hmm. I don't know. But you know, want to know something? I don't even want to be the one worrying about that. I'm more worried about being the one on the sidewalk that the spazzing out driverless car decides to plummet into. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm driving along the highway and you are moving at a good clip and I don't want a driverless car suddenly just go zzz, zzz, and swing from lane to lane and take me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't understand, Andre, I don't understand about this. It's very clear that they are making enormous gains in these, but you keep hearing about these glitches and yet they're allowed to be on the road. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. I think it's just they, their argument is that we need to work out these glitches and work out the wrinkles to get it to where it needs to be. But I mean... If people are getting hurt when you're working out the wrinkles, what's the cost? Like, is it worth it? I don't know. But see, you could work out the all those glitches and that on a closed circuit. Yeah, yeah. but then but people they don't, don't know. Do then it. people don't know they're doing it. They're not getting. Yeah. yeah. See, this would probably be really cool if this thing had made it through its first week, and we said, "Hey, after a week, everybody loved it. It was like driving." Mm-hmm. Maybe they just couldn't wait. They were just too excited about it. And they're like, oh, no, we're, we're ready. We're ready. And oh, they ready. thought they they're were ready. ready. So maybe that's just it. They're just no eager. No question. They thought they were ready. I just, um, <laughs> I will not be buying it. And besides that, I, it's going to be really disconcerting if you are driving along the street and suddenly you look to your left and there's someone reclined in a lazy boy chair reading a book, not paying any attention to the road. That'll throw me off completely. <laughs> Yeah, that may, that may make me drive right off the road. There's there's nothing about this story, honestly, that gives me a lot of confidence. <laughs> oh. There really isn't. Bad mental images. <laughs> there's just what? too many yeah. things. Yeah, We're not the Jetsons yet. We're really, we're not ready for this stuff yet. Now, here in Hamilton, of course, we're not going to, we're going to have LRT. I don't know if they're going to have drivers in that. I think they are because we're talking about the HSR, whether they're going to, but do we even need drivers for the LRT? And if we can have driverless cars, surely then a vehicle on tracks doesn't need a driver, does it? We can save money on the HSR. Yeah, Here's but I'm, I'm scared of a, of a car uh, without a driver, so I'm even more terrified of a much heavier train <laughs> without someone. <laughs> but at least but it's on a track. Yeah, it's on a track. Still, I, I... You can derail. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, there you go. One hour it took for the Las Vegas self-driving shuttle to, uh, to have a little accident. If anyone's thinking of buying me a driverless car for Christmas, I appreciate your generosity, but no. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. <laughs> Brightest panel on Hamilton Radio, Paige Petrovsky, Andrew Billiald, Mike B. Andre. Sorry, I said Andre, Andrew. Andre Billiald and Mike Bain. Sorry about that. Uh, by the way, hello to Fred and Sue and to Candle and to Marilyn and Gary. We were talking during the break. Apparently all of you are listening. I mean, hopefully not just you, um, but yes, we're uh, happy to have you along, along with everyone else. So the most important discussion point of the evening, I thought we'd finish with this one tonight because I, I think this is the single most important issue facing our people and our society and our time. Last night as I was flipping channels on my TV set, I noticed that on November the 9th, how the Grinch Stole Christmas was on TV. I say there should be laws jailing broadcasters who show or p- Christmas shows or play Christmas music before Remembrance Day. I agree. Mm. 
I would say even before December 1st, but I know that not everyone shares that view. When is it legal in the socially acceptable time frame terms? When is it legal to start doing Christmas? We're going to start right after Remembrance Day. Is that a cool time to do it though? It is. You're okay with that? I am. You're not a December 1st guy. As soon as Remembrance Day is over, bring it on. Yeah. Bring the Christmas trees out. Bring the Christmas music out. Put the decorations up. Andre, help me here. What do you say? I'll meet you guys halfway. Well, how about we say November 25th? We'll give it a month of Christmas. Oh, okay. A month, a solid okay, month straight of Christmas. <laughs> yeah. All right. A month out. Paige? I'm the type of person, I'm right after Remembrance Day. I would like everything to be up, every person to be caroling. Not actually, but I would like things to be Christmassy right after Remembrance Day, but my parents will not have any of that, so I usually say after my birthday, so December 25th, or December 25th. So you just want it right on the day yeah, now. Yeah, right <laughs> Only the day. Uh, no, November 25th is So you're when, with Andre. Yeah. I think we, over Christmas, we've made it so commercial, so big, so over the top that, I see, I have taken a firm stand in my household that December 1st, now of course, not everyone in my household listens to me. <laughs> But when I'm around, when I'm driving the car, we were not putting on the Christmas channel until, well, we only ever listen to 900 CHML, but someone else might try to do it. (laughs) And not till December 1st. What about the not till December 1st argument? Do I have, do I have any backers here that would actually switch their positions to take the only when December rolls around? I I might, but my wife won't. All right. Why not? She loves Christmas. (sighs) I mean, I love Christmas too. That's my point. I love Christmas enough that I don't want to wear it out. Actually, she loves it so much, she probably listened to Christmas music all year. Well, now, that is an illness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your wi- I'm sure your wife is a lovely, lovely woman. Yes, yeah, there's is. treatment for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm getting concerned. You said you were a Montreal Canadiens fan, and oh. now she wants Christmas 365 <laughs> days a year. There are issues going on here, Mike. I don't mm-hmm. know what. I have to apologize. <laughs> Uh, no, the, the, the all year, you know, I know there are people who would do that. Listen, the people at Costco almost do that already. Easter rolls around and the Christmas trees are out. Hey, yeah. Frankenmuth does it all year round. That's true. That's true. I forgot about Frankenmuth. I Dollar thought, store. Dollar store does it? Yep. Really? At least yeah. near where I live. No, that's okay. I, I'm sure they do. I've just, uh, I'd never noticed the Christmas stuff. Canada Day stuff seems to be up in the dollar store all the time. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day, too. I don't know. But, eh, I don't know about that one. I'm, just, I'm surprised. You guys are all very liberal with your uh, usage of Christmas, which I suppose <laughs> on the one hand is good. I just, there's got to be, there's got to be a limit. There's got to be something that's put in place that say, especially the, at least not before Remembrance Day. I find the before Remembrance Day actually really... Yeah, it can't not, be before Remembrance Day. It's not even angering. It's just like, come on, really? We can't wait till after we do Remembrance Day? I don't know. The Grinch The Grinch should not be on TV before Remembrance Day. Uh, KG just writes in, oh, we've, we've broken new ground. KG's a regular listener. And he says, this is the first thing I've ever agreed with Scott. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Three years of doing radio and KG, we've finally broken through and found some common ground. I don't know what it is that you disagree. Well, I guess everything else he disagrees with. This is, I'm going to work towards this now. Find something else that KG and I can, uh, can agree upon. I like ice cream, KG. <laughs> <laughs> if you like ice cream, let me know. Why do, okay, so 
Do you think, Paige, then, that there are that many people that love Christmas that much that they, they obviously must have a market for it? People must be tuning in. If the ratings were terrible, they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. I think there's probably so many people that are maybe not have their Christmas trees up yet, but are definitely listening to music. You don't have your Christmas tree up yet. I don't, no. <laughs> Nobody in the room has their Christmas no, tree up? No, 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 not yet. I don't even think we're thinking about it in our house yet. But I'm I hope sh- not. Oh, we're thinking about it. Are you? <laughs> oh, we're thinking about it. I would love, I, I'd love actually to go up to one of those Christmas tree farms and see when the first person rolls in. Because if you get it too early, even if you keep your Christmas tree bucket filled with water... By middle of December, you're looking at a Charlie Brown tree with all the needles falling off. Probably but then solved. you have a Charlie yeah. Brown tree. Fake tree. Fake yeah, tree. so you can do that. <laughs> Problem with what? Then you have a Charlie Brown tree, and then it's cool. It's sagging over with the Brown one tree. ornament. It's yeah. character. Yeah. A character, yeah. yeah. Well, one year, early when, shortly after we were married, for some reason, we fell way behind in the Christmas decorations, and it was two days before, and I had to go to Fortino's. And they had about three trees left, and they all were Charlie Brown trees, at least for half of them. But you loved it. You loved it, didn't you? I was actually worried our house was going <laughs> to burst into flames at any moment. We didn't have candles on the tree or anything, but it's like, man, if we have a spark near this thing, it's going to be like the tree in Christmas vacation with the cat. <laughs> the whole house is going to go up. Anyway, I would argue not until December 1st, but let me know what you think. You've heard it from the panel. Radley at 900CHML.com. When is the official acceptable time to begin the Christmas stuff? Decorating, caroling, baking, TV watching, music listening. And a special shout out to my friend John, who is the only human being I know who ever suffered a blown out Achilles tendon while caroling. <laughs> the first person ever to have to go to hospital with a caroling injury. He's a teacher and he was conducting a group of kids caroling. And when he jumped for the big finish, he landed awkwardly and his knee gave. Oh, but still, he had to go to the doctor, had to go to emergency. And when they asked, how did you injure yourself? He said, caroling. And apparently they had to gather all the doctors around to see who the moron was who blew out his <laughs> knee caroling. <laughs> Really hard to do, but someone has done it. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.